NWO Orthopedic Sports Huddle. From the Fricker Studio. On Classic Hits 96.7 WBBI. On ESPN 1430 AM. And at 105.7 FM WFOB. The Sports Huddle is brought to you by NWO Orthopedics. Frickers. Warner Automotive. By Blanchard Valley Health System. Roto-Rooter. Bigby Coffee. By Northwestern Water and Sewer District. Wilson Tire. Grit. By M.J. Brown Construction Company. Premier Bank. Campus Polyod. By Financial Design Insurance Agency. Snyder's Flooring Outlet. Ohio Automotive Supply. Seneca Millwork. Five Star Maintenance. And by the Ropey Corporation. And now. Let's go to Lance and Matt. Coming to you live from the Fricker Studio. For the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle. Welcome on into this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Fricker Studios on ESPN 1430 AM 105.7 FM. WFOB Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI Lance Morris. Matt Common here with you. Thank you again for making us a part of your Wednesday night for our holiday special Thanksgiving edition of the show. Matt, how are we doing? Yeah, I was just saying, let's not jump the gun. The, uh, the, WFOB WBVI NWO Christmas extravaganza hosted by yours truly is still in the cards. Uh, well, it's it's my Christmas present every year. Don't uh, don't you well, don't you take away my Christmas present from me, Lance? Uh, we'll see. Ain't no we'll see about it. It's going down. It's gonna go down. It's gonna be glorious. But we have a fun Thanksgiving edition of it for you today. And you know it's it's been a good week. Uh, a, f- a fun week in sports. It's been interesting. I still don't know what the in-season tournament is for the NBA. <laughs> I still don't. I, I've had I've had professional broadcasters like you and I. I've had people in the NBA. I've reached out to some of my former sources back when I worked at Clear Channel in the Cleveland market. I still don't know. <laughs> I still don't know. Eventually, someone's going to have to draw it up on a diagram for me and explain it to me like I'm five kind of thing. But I still don't know. All I know is sometimes I turn on the TV and, and the, courts the hardwood are a lot looks brighter. normal. Then other times I turn on the TV and I'm pretty confident I stroked out. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I have a quick little like two second moment where I'm like, did I die? And is this a hallucination? Oh, never mind. It's the in-season tournament hardwood and I hate it. I hate everything about it. <laughs> I don't know what this is for. I'm confused. I'm scared. I need an adult. Then I remember I am an adult, and that's really disappointing in those moments. <laughs> so, yeah, we, we have a great Thanksgiving show. Plenty <laughs> to be thankful for. Th- those in-season tournament courts are not one of the things to be thankful <laughs> for, though, this holiday season. I'm just, I'm just going to leave it out there. I don't apologize. I regret nothing on that <laughs> statement. But again... Great show for you guys tonight. Well, while while we're on the topic of the in-season tournament, you you mentioned the courts, and all, all the teams have their own special version of the floor for the in-season tournament. And I don't think I don't know if it's the case for every single of the teams, but most of the teams it results in a very bright color in tape taking up most, if not a lot, of the floor. And yeah, it's uh, it's been interesting, kind of the dichotomies, because I've had you know games on on one of our TVs, you know, over these last couple weeks, and Bree walks in and she's like, "Oh, that's uh, that's an interesting court," and I'm like, "Yeah, I could, I would explain it to you, but I, I, I don't really think I can properly." 
I mean, look, man, I got some old TVs. They do not handle the color course correction that occurs <laughs> with some of these core. Like that Sixers Cavs game there. I thought it was gonna kill my TV. <laughs> I really did. The 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 purple or the red, I don't even know what color to properly describe it as started bleeding into everything else with the like the the light and coming off of the screen. It was bad, man. <laughs> like I, I don't know. Like if the if the in-season tournament can't be explained to me other than it gives NBA teams an opportunity to have different courts and different floors on their court, I want out. It's as simple as that. I want out. On this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle, we'll of course talk with Kevin Harris from Meet at Midfield along with the comeback and awful announcing Ohio State, of course, gets the win over the weekend against Minnesota, they have a tough task on Saturday when they take on also undefeated Michigan. So it'll be a big matchup. We'll talk with Kevin all about that and some other stuff in the realm of college football. But we might not be physically at the Frickers in Finley, but stop in for their daily specials. And I can get their sirloin steak dinner. Kids eat free all day, every day at Frickers. Pick up from the carryout window, dine in, get delivery through DoorDash. Download the Frickers app. Find them online at Frickers.com. With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll talk with Kevin Harris from Mean at Midfield, the comeback and awful announcing here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Fricker Studios. At Blanchard Valley Health System, we're looking for individuals to join our family of professionals. We require compassion, dedication, and the desire to make a difference in a fast-paced healthcare environment. Jobs are available in clinical and support services. We offer competitive wages and benefits. The culture of BVHS is unique and rewarding. Visit bvhealthsystem.org backslash careers to search our current openings. Blanchard Valley Health System, we're here for you. Getting the kids to practice on time. Remembering if it's your day to bring snacks. Making it to the game with a clean jersey. Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with auto owners, insurance doesn't have to be one of them. Auto Owners works with independent agents who answer when you call, so you can worry about more important things, like whether your kid is going to run toward first or third base. That's simple human sense. Ask Financial Design Insurance Agency in New Regal if auto owners make sense for you. Welcome back on into this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios, ESPN, 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB, Classic Hits 96.7, WBVI, Lance Morris, Matt Common here with you once again. The Ohio State Buckeyes get the win against Minnesota this Saturday. They'll be taking on Michigan. You can hear Buckeye football all season long on WFOB. We're now pleased to be joined by Kevin Harris, writer from Meet on Midfield, along with the comeback and awful announcing and Kevin same uh, same sort of thing for Ohio State last week in that win against Minnesota. What were some of the big takeaways for you from last week? Yeah, I mean, it was it was very much like a survive and advance game for Ohio State. Um, I mean, it's the week before Michigan, a week before the biggest game of the season. Um, there wasn't a lot interesting that Ohio State did. Um, they just kind of went in, took care of business and won the game. Um, I mean... <clears throat> On that same vein, like it wasn't like I wouldn't say it was the most dominant performance of the season, but I also don't think there was ever a point in that game when like anybody was legitimately concerned that Michigan or that uh, Minnesota would win the game. Um, you know, it it, it kind of just was what it was. Um, you had that big run from Travion Henderson. I thought the passing game looked fine. Um, Kyle McCord, he had a couple, you know, uh, ones that he'd like to have back in that game, but um, 
by and large, it was a strong performance across the board. Emeka Abuka got involved in the offense a little bit more. Um, you know, I think he's had, uh, I hesitate to say disappointing season because it's not like it's his fault. He's just been out with injuries and it's kind of hard to be um, productive when um, you're in and out of the lineup and you have the best receiver in the country opposite of you. But I think he got involved in the game plan a lot against Minnesota. So um, I, I, it was a solid performance just heading into, um, you know, the biggest game of the season. Yeah, Kevin, I don't want to dismiss this uh, Minnesota game from this past weekend whatsoever, but what was there really anything that stood out to you from what you saw in, in this game? Yeah, maybe, I... maybe an uncharacteristic performance or maybe something that, you, you do carry into a game against that godforsaken, godless state to the north of us that <laughs> practically, honestly, we should have let Canada keep it. That I'm just going to keep it. <laughs> just keep it honest on that one, at least for this week out of the year. The rest of the, the remaining 51 weeks, it's a beautiful state with a lot of wonderful things in it. But this week in particular, should have let Canada keep it. But outside of that, uh, w- would you say that there's anything in particular that you saw that, again, uncharacteristic or maybe stood out to you going into this game? I think not necessarily uncharacteristic. Um, I I just think very big for this week is that um, there were no real injuries. I think it was a pretty clean game for Ohio State that kind of got in and out. Um, And, uh, I mean, you saw um, Lincoln Keenholes and stuff was in the game. Like, it it, it was very clear that they were just getting ready for a big game. Um, You know, and... I think Ryan Day mentioned that he expects the defense to be full strength. Um, I think that's kind of misspeaking a little bit because I don't think he meant uh, Lathan Ransom. I think he means everybody else. Um, you know, Ohio State didn't have uh, Tommy Eichenberg. Um, there were there were a few a few guys missing, um, but I mean, it was. I think Mike Hall too was out. But I think the biggest thing that like will carry into next week is just simply, this is a healthy team. You know um, it's, it's, they're going to be full go. Everybody's going to be healthy. Everybody's going to be ready to go. Um, and I think that's kind of a difference between Ohio state and Michigan. I think Michigan's a little banged up. They had to do a lot more um, and we're putting a much high stress situation against Maryland than Ohio state was. And before a big game, like Ohio state, you, uh, or before a big game, like, like the game, the, the big rivalry game, you want to be kind of coasting in and playing your best football. And um, I think Ohio state is really doing that. They're doing that while healthy, whereas Michigan's kind of limping in on, in a couple regards. So um, if there's any big takeaway, it's just that Ohio state simply didn't really have any problems against, against Minnesota. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios. Lance Morris, Matt Common, talking with Kevin Harris, writer from me at midfield, along with the comeback and awful announcing. Let's go ahead, just get right into it. Looking ahead to Saturday, Ohio State, of course, takes on Michigan. Very well documented, everything that has been going on with them. We've talked a lot about it as well in route to the 11-0 season for both of these teams heading into this week. What else, I guess, since we've talked about them already so much, what all really is there to know about uh, this iteration of this Michigan team? You know, I think the, the narrative around Michigan this entire season um, has been it's it's a dominant team, for probably maybe their best, most talented team since like the late 90s. Um, but the narrative has been that Michigan has not been tested at all, really, through the first, you know, nine to 10 weeks of the season. Um, they were not tested at all. And I think that 
changed against Penn State and that changed against Maryland. And I think suddenly you're starting to see a lot more of a mortal football team. Um, Michigan looked very good and just completely dominant in um, through the first like nine weeks of the season, nine, 10 weeks of the season. And um, all of a sudden, now that they're tested a little bit, I think this team looks a lot more mortal. Um, before the season, I probably would have said that Michigan had the best offensive line in the country. Um, I would have probably put, taken seven of their offensive linemen over any player on Ohio State's offensive line. And that's really not how it's shaken out. Um, I think this is probably Michigan's worst offensive line in the past two years, three years. I It, it is not especially good. Um, I would maybe make it say it above average. I wouldn't say it's a top 15 offensive line. Um, it's probably closer to Ohio State's offensive line than it is like Notre Dame's offensive line. And I think that's a real problem for Michigan um, because I think their identity relies heavily on that offensive line being dominant. And I think you can see that in the way that um, Blake Coram's production has dropped this year. You can see that in how Donovan Edwards's production has dropped this year. Um, I, I don't think either of those guys just magically turned into bad running backs. I think it's a direct result of the offensive line. So um, I, I think that is the biggest change that I have seen in Michigan from kind of their early weeks that they were just cruising to um, the past two weeks where they really have had just a honestly a, a bad offense, like a, a stagnant offense that can't move the ball, can't create explosive plays. Um, and just, you know, like frankly, couldn't score against Maryland. They needed two safeties, a defensive score and a short field to, uh, to beat Maryland by a touchdown. And, um, that's, that's not a particularly good defense. So I think if there's anything that has changed in my perception of Michigan, um, from the whole season, it has been really that, that offensive line play. Cause it, it hasn't been great all season, but I think there's like, kind of reminds me of the 2015 Ohio state team where there's just like something in the back of your mind. that's like, ah, oh, no, it's too talented. Like once the game starts to matter, like they're going to kick it in, but then it just never really does. And um, I, that's kind of the vibe that I've gotten with Michigan this season, uh, especially watching them play Penn state and Maryland. And looking at this Michigan offense in particular, one thing that stands out to me, and I, I'd love your thoughts on it as well. Cause we, you and I have discussed it with other quarterbacks throughout the country and in particular guys like Caleb Williams, it seems to be this very strange narrative around JJ McCarthy as this elite quarterback. And I'm not to, I know no one at Michigan listens to this anyway, by any means. So I'm not worried about billboard material. Can, can someone explain to me like I'm five, why JJ McCarthy gets so much hype. It just feels kind of like in years past where it was, he's just happens to be the quarterback on this good team and that's about it i i just i don't really see the hype so it, it you've probably watched way more tape on mccarthy than i have is there anything that he does that really does stand out or is this just quarterback on a good team so immediately there's hype kind of situation yeah i think there's a couple things at play i think the biggest is that i think he genuinely is the best michigan quarterback that they've had since chad henny you know like i like that that sounds crazy to think, but like if you go through the list of the guys who play quarterback, they're like Wilton Spate, like John O'Corn, um, Shea Patterson. Before that, you had like Devin Garner and Denard Robinson, who were like they were good in their own ways, but they weren't like they were athletes, they weren't necessarily good, like drop back passers. Um, so like 
I think that's definitely at play that I genuinely do think that he is, you know, probably the best that they've had in a long time. Um, but like the, the bar there is very low. Whereas like if he played at Ohio state, I, I, I think he's, I don't know, like I, in terms of just a drop back passer, I might, I might take Kyle McCord over JJ McCarthy. Um, but I, I think the second thing at play, like the reason why JJ McCarthy adds value is because he genuinely does like, he's good for like one or two very cool and very good plays a game, you know, like, um, whether it's a scramble, whether it's like a, a crazy throw that you don't know how he got there. Like he genuinely has a lot of talent. He's just not the world's most consistent. And so like, even last year when I, I didn't really think he was very good last year either. Um, he, he is good for like one insane throw a game or one wild scramble where he gets like 20 yards when he should have been sacked in the backfield. And so like when you haven't really had that at the quarterback position for Michigan in what, like 20 years, like, of course you're going to get a little, little giddy about that. So I genuinely understand why Michigan fans love JJ McCarthy. I think he's fine. Um, I, I, I was prepared midway through the season to admit that I was completely wrong on JJ McCarthy and that um, he was actually very good. Um, but I think the past two games have kind of soured on that. I think the fact that Michigan didn't trust JJ McCarthy to throw the ball or didn't trust the offensive line to throw the ball at all against Penn state. And then he had, frankly, a, a horrific game against Maryland. Um, that kind of soured. He's back to he's back to last year's JJ McCarthy to me. Um, and you know, like I think the thing is against Ohio State, Michigan fans always love to to pull up the like, oh well, he he killed Ohio State. He had like 300 passing yards and um, you know like dominated Ohio State last year on the road. Yeah, but he didn't really. If you actually look at, at his numbers. He completed about 50% of his passes um, and the guys who he was hitting downfield were wide open because there was a coverage breakdown or he threw it in the flats. Somebody missed a tackle. Like they were things like that. It wasn't like he was making wild plays and like consistently dropping back and beating Ohio state secondary. And so like even against Ohio state last year, when he won the game credit where credits due, he did what he needed to do, but it wasn't a good quarterback performance by any means. And so, like, I think that's more the J.J. McCarthy that I've seen against Penn State in Maryland, too. It's like, yeah, he's doing what he needs to do to get the win here. But it's much more like a, a vintage, like, Shea Patterson sort of game where it's like, these numbers are not good. You're just winning the game sort of thing. So, um, yeah, I, I, I do think that he is good. I do think he's a good athlete. I do think that he is um, really provides this Michigan offense with something that they haven't really had at the quarterback position. But at the same time, like that doesn't mean that he's like this generational, like Jim Harbaugh has used the word generational to describe JJ McCarthy multiple times this season. It's like, he he's a fine, he's a fine college quarterback. Like, I, I don't, I don't really know what else to say. Like, um, you know, it, it's, it's not like talking trash to him that he's not a generational quarterback. Like he's, he's good. He's probably the best quarterback they've had in years, but like that, that doesn't make him, you know, a davy o'brien like candidate or a heisman trophy candidate he's just like he's, he's a solid quarterback talk with kevin harris rider from meet on midfield along with the comeback and awful announcing on the nwo orthopedics sports huddle from the fricker studios classic hits 96.7 wbvi espn 1430 am 105.7 fm wfob and you kind of touched on it off the top the you know just kind of the dominance that michigan had you know pretty much through most of the season up until really these last couple weeks and nationally, it just seems like 
everybody, I don't know if it's just because we're in the Ohio State echo chamber or not, but it just seems like everybody's like, oh, Michigan's dominant. They're just, they're just going to dominate Ohio State again. And I don't know how much of it's just because of the last couple weeks where Michigan, you know, has certainly not looked like the world beaters they did at the start of the year, but I I haven't been this confident heading into the game since over these last few years where Ohio State actually, you know, of course, lost the last couple years. And that seems strange to say for how dominant, again, they have been throughout the year. It, it sure seems like at least in like, again, our echo chamber, it sure seems like the narrative has certainly flipped. Yeah, I think so, too. And I think, like, for me personally, I saw, like, four plays against Penn State on offense. And I thought, oh, no, Ohio State's winning this game. Like, and that's all it took was, like, seeing um, Chop Chop Robinson, like, turn style that offensive line, like, three times in a row. Like, I don't don't think Ohio State has a pass rusher as good as Chop Robinson. But, like, the fact that Michigan came out and still couldn't pass block against Maryland, who is not a good pass rushing team, you know, I, I, yeah, I, 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 I don't think I am completely unimpressed by this Michigan offense. And I do, I do think that's kind of where it's switched. I also think like nationally, there is some sort of like, after the the cheating scandal and stuff like that, um, like the news of that is broken and Michigan started playing up like the victim role and how they were America's team. I think nationally, a lot of people turned on Michigan at that point too. And so now I think like, a lot of people are sincerely looking at Ohio state to just like do what's right and like punish Michigan on the field for um, everything that's gone on kind of this season. So I think like, like nationally, like I know Jim Harbaugh joked about it, like Michigan's America's team because of the adversity. It's like, I think like that kind of backfired and now Ohio state is America's team in this game because nobody wants to see Michigan go through this whole cheating scandal and then come out unscathed, like 12 and 0. Like, that's just not, that's, that's not reality. That's not like what the, the public seems to be rooting for. So I think just like in terms of discourse, the whole like sign stealing scandal really took a lot of sales, a lot of wind out of the sale of Michigan, because there are a lot of people that were just like really hyping up this Michigan team. Um, and now like the national, like Michigan pumping narratives seems to have gone just radio silent after that. And, um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's interesting. Um, but just in terms of like a schematic game, like I, as soon as Michigan like struggled against Penn state, as soon as they didn't even have even try to throw the ball downfield. And as soon as Maryland seemed to uh, be able to move the ball on them on offense and, um, and then also like have no problem, like shutting them down on defense. Like it, it, it kind of switched it for me. It, it, it made me a lot more confident because like, it's not like Michigan has just played bad the past two weeks. They weren't tested at all earlier in the season. So it's not like Michigan suddenly turned bad and we're like, oh, no, like they need to come back around and put it all together. Like for all you know, like this is just what this team has been all year. You know, you just assumed that it was going to be this dominant team as soon as they started playing better opponents. But you didn't really see that until now. And now there have been back to back pretty good teams and Michigan has struggled immensely. Uh, speaking of the sign stealing scandal and all of that i'm i'm very curious how much of an impact you think that's going to have on the game in general not not necessarily in terms of public perception media perception how the narrative is going to be spun during the game but just frankly on field i mean good bad or indifferent there is something to be said for what jim harbaugh does bring 
on the sideline for this Michigan team. So the fact that he won't be down there, do you feel that that adds an, another layer of adversity for that godforsaken team to the north of us versus providing an advantage for Ohio State? Yeah, I, I, I think it definitely does. Um, for, for all intents and purposes, Jim Harbaugh wasn't doing a ton. Um, it's not like he's calling plays. It's not like he is, um, you know, but he's not like up in the booth looking at alignments and stuff like that. He's also not the one that was like stealing signs or anything. Like he is, he is not really appropriate for, or it, he's not really super important to like the play by play basis for um, essentially like, like running this team during a game day. But I will say, and I think this seems to have caught up with Sharon Moore on, um, on both game days there is and i have said this about ryan day for a long time it is tough to balance being a play caller a coordinator essentially a position coach and a head coach all at the same time and i have thought that ryan day has kind of recklessly put himself in that position to do all of those things when he should have like delegated at least some things like um i don't know man if you want to call plays have somebody else essentially do all the head coaching things where it's like crawling in your players or, you know, talking, I don't know that just, just things like that. Like it is, it is a tough task to um, manage all of those things. Ryan day has been doing it since he took over the team in 2019. He has practiced at it. Like, even if it's tough to do, like, and I don't think it's best for him to be doing that. Um, he, he, he can do it. Sharon Moore was given the reins to this team like a day before and was told, okay, like now you, you got to coach your unit, which is the offensive line, which has been struggling, um, call plays, um, you know, uh, do your previous job. And now also you're the head coach and you're responsible for calling timeouts for um, making sure everybody's on the same page for um, calling when you, when you kick a field goal or when you go for it on fourth down, um, when you go for two, like things like that, like, uh, there's just a lot of like, like small little coaching things that I think are going to make it difficult. And all of that is amplified in a game, like, a, a, like a, an Ohio state game. Um, all of those decisions are amplified. All of those mistakes are amplified. And like, you even saw it with like Marcus Freeman when they had 10 players on the field against Ohio state and Notre Dame, like little small coaching things like that, that like, that's when you're going to miss Jim Harbaugh. It's not necessarily that he's calling plays or anything like that. Like, but you're going to miss his presence on the sideline and just being able to all of the experience of being in these games and um, knowing circumstantially what to do and stuff like that. Like that's where you're going to miss him. And um, to be clear, like, I think I, I have heard um, a lot of like Ohio state fans even saying like, Oh, they wish Jim Harbaugh were on the field because um, because like now it's going to be tainted. Michigan fans are going to say something like, you know, um, this, this rivalry, like it, 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 the win doesn't count because Jim Harbaugh, like basically people want them to have no excuse. And like, I understand that sentiment, but at the same time, like he's not just like skipping this game for fun. And it is not like an innocent reason why he is not at this game. Um, like this is absolutely of their own doing. And like, frankly, like it doesn't matter. Like, you know, like, this is this is something that they did it's a direct re repercussion of something that they did and frankly i think this punishment is going to look very light 
when the NCAA's findings of the investigation are eventually dropped. So like, you don't need to worry about that. Just like, I don't know. It's that I, I understand the, the narrative of like, Oh, like I just want them to be at full strength so that we can beat them or whatever. It's, but like, come on, like, they they earned why Jim Harbaugh is not on the sideline. It's not it's not like something that happened to them. They're not the victims here. Like they did this. Now they have to deal with the consequences. And if if nothing else, if nothing else, I think we can use we can say this aside from the fact that it was your their own doing all that sort of thing. We I maybe maybe you can confirm whether or not this was the case. It sure felt like in the moment of the 2020 season, it sure felt like not that they gave themselves COVID on purpose, but it sure felt like they were trying to make sure they didn't get their butts kicked by Ohio State. If if nothing yeah. else, I feel like this now kind of evens things up in that regard, so to speak. Yeah, I I, I can definitely see that. The, the interesting thing is like, um, you go you go looking back at all this the way all of this played out, like there is a a pretty strong chance. I don't think there's anybody on the planet that would have thought that um, Michigan was going to win that game against Ohio state in 2020. Like weird things happen right. in the rivalry rivalry, but like, I, I don't, I don't think anybody on the planet would have, would have thought that. But um, the, the interesting thing is that if Ohio state would have gone out and just blasted Jim Harbaugh and like hung 100 on him, like Ryan day said he was going to, it could have, it could have gotten fired there's a good chance that Jim Harbaugh isn't the head coach at Michigan. And like just the way that all of that would have transpired, would Michigan have avoided this entire sign stealing scandal? Um, uh, they might not have gotten these past two wins over Ohio state. Like it's the, the ramifications would have been wild, but yeah, like I, I'm not going to pretend to know what was happening during that time in the program, but it was, it was suspicious enough that like there's credence to the idea that like, I'm not going to say that Michigan ducked Ohio State, but I also don't think they were, like, too eager to play Ohio State, if that makes sense, too. Right. Like, a team like Ohio State, who that late in the season was, um, you know, a national title contender and stuff like that, they were doing everything they could to, like, avoid getting COVID and stuff like that. And Michigan had one of their worst seasons under Jim Harbaugh. They were having a horrible year. Their season was over. Like, you think you're going to convince your entire football team when they have essentially nothing to play for to just, like, not go hang out with their friends, to, like, stay home, to, like, not catch COVID and stuff like that. I, I think that's more what the issue was than, like, them just ducking the game is, like, they didn't take avoiding COVID seriously enough to, like, preserve the game, if that makes sense. So, um, I don't know. All in all, it is it is very odd. Um, to think about like what would have happened if Ohio State and Michigan played that game because I think like the past two years are very different if if that game happens so um, very odd I also think that adds to the just the just the 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 disdain between um, Ryan Day and Jim Harbaugh I don't know if you saw the quotes uh, this week but um, both coaches were essentially asked like do you respect the other coach and neither coach was willing to give a outright answer right. about whether or not they respected the other coach. And like, I think there has been very fair criticism of Ryan day. Um, not, maybe not even criticism, just kind of like a reality of the situation that like Ryan day was not brought up in this rivalry. Um, he was not brought up as an Ohio guy. He was not brought up as a Michigan guy. He was not brought up really as a college football guy. 
Um, he was in kind of New England, um, knew about the Ohio State-Michigan rivalry, but was never really a part of it. He got his first taste of it um, when he became an assistant at Ohio State like eight years ago. So like he does not know the rivalry the way that a lot of you know Ohio State fans and Michigan fans do. He is kind of an outsider. Um, to him, it's it's a very important football game. I mean, I think he understands that, but it's it's one of those things where like it's personal for for anybody who like has lived this and has been involved in this their entire life. Um, and so I think that's been a very valid criticism of Ryan Day that like he just it's tough to prepare for a game that you don't completely understand. But I think that has changed actually. Um, I think that Ryan Day, after the comments and kind of the the spats that he has had with Jim Harbaugh, um, and like the comments about um, from Jim Harbaugh about Ryan Day being on third base, being born on third base, um, kind of the questioning his team's toughness, the um, and now like the the weird obsession with um, with the on the Michigan side that Ryan Day and his family was somehow tied to this investigation into Michigan, which is completely incorrect, by the way. Like I can right. I can say that on the radio. Like that is completely incorrect. I know exactly the private investigation firm that um is responsible for kickstarting the investigation against the against or the NCAA investigation. It has nothing to do with Ryan Day. There's no connection at all. Um that it will never come out that that happened because that didn't happen. So it, it, you're chasing the wrong rabbit there if you're a Michigan fan. Um, you can do it all you want, but like, I promise you, you're not going to find anything. Um, but so like all of that transpiring, I think Ryan day at this point might hate Michigan and Jim Harbaugh, this specific Michigan team and this specific Michigan coach more than any Ohio state fan or alum in previous years. Like, I think that he has an honest hatred of Jim Harbaugh. And we talked about it on our podcast over at Meet at Midfield. Like, I would not be shocked if he doesn't just want to win this game. He wants to just blow them out. Like, I, if there is any coach, I think we, we, we've talked about it, like the, the fan fiction of like maybe Urban Meyer going for two is like an homage to Woody Hayes just because of how much he hates Michigan. Urban was never going to do that. Like, that's, that's not like, I, 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 don't, I don't think he was ever going to do that. He had his chances in some games and he didn't. I would not be shocked if Ryan Day wants to run up the score as much as possible in this game on Saturday. He is, I don't think there has ever been an Ohio State coach who wants a win against Michigan as bad as Ryan Day wants a win against Michigan this week. Like, I think that narrative about Ryan Day has completely switched uh, to the point that, like, no one on the planet wants this game more than Ryan Day does. So um, whether or not that's a good thing and, may, and he's going to be coaching with emotion or something like that. I don't know, but um, I, I don't think that is a concern this year or really for the foreseeable future. First off, very few things are as gratifying as having Kevin Harris absolutely shoot down <laughs> an alleged rumor from Michigan. Just th that that was that was so good. Like, I, I don't know if I need anything else on this day simply because of that. But uh, in all sincerity, I mean, this is something that I've heard brought up a couple times during the Urban Meyer era, it didn't really feel like a rivalry anymore. It didn't feel like the big game anymore. There were some moments there where the games were at least, you know, entertaining, but it was such a runaway for so many years in favor of Ohio State, even before Urban Meyer. I, I, I'll ask you, between this the sign-stealing scandal, the commentary between Harbaugh now and Ryan Day, the... Uh, frankly, I'll just call it as is the pettiness of people like Aiden Hutchinson 
at Heisman ceremonies and stuff like that. Do, do you feel pretty confident that the rivalry not only is back, but it is like fully, completely renewed at this point? Oh yeah, and I I think I think I'm gonna basically I I think this is gonna be a a mark on I I think it's gonna take it could take Michigan a long time to recover from whatever is going to happen to um, after the sign stealing thing. Like I'll, I'll just, I'll just go ahead and predict. I don't think Jim Harbaugh is going to coach another game at Michigan. Um, you know, following the season, I think he can technically come back for the postseason. Um, but like, I, I'm not sure he's, I, I, I think he's done. I think several more coaches on Michigan are ultimately going to be fired or relieved of their duties. Um, I think we're going to have a whole new Michigan coaching staff next year. And for the foreseeable future, like, and so it kind of puts Ohio State fans in this spot where it's like there were definitely you heard it tossed around that there were fans that were like, you know, Michigan might need to win a couple to like make this like a a rivalry again, like a, you know, to to kind of just like ease the burden, like make it put it back into prominence or whatever. And I think like, if anything, the past two years have shown people just what happens when Michigan gets a little bit of confidence and just how miserable and how unbearable it is when they win a game or two games, you know, like you saw the stuff with Aiden Hutchinson, like they won one game and he's mocking CJ Stroud and the Heisman, you know, or a Heisman um, uh, campaign. I guess it wasn't Aiden Hutchinson. I guess it was uh, to, to be fair. That was Desmond Howard, but like it, all it takes is one game and you see it come out and um I think these past two years are going to serve as a quick reminder to Ohio State fans that, like, no, you don't want Michigan ever to win a game, much less two in a row. Um, it kind of just just a, a reminder of how it feels, and maybe that'll carry them over for another twenty years or something like that. But um, yeah, I, I I think the rivalry is back, and I think that honestly, like frankly, even regardless of the results of this game. Um, I think it's looking like it will probably swing back into Ohio State's favor uh, next year, even if Ohio State does lose this game. But that that is not a free pass for Ohio State to just lay down um, in this one because they have a chance to just kind of reset the entire narrative. Because like whether you like it or not, what's going to happen here is um, if Ohio State wins this game and quickly hops back into dominance the rest of the rivalry, and like, you know, kind of goes on a run or continues the dominance that they had the past two decades, then all of a sudden, in a few years, it's really easy to look at 2021 and 2022 and be like, huh, I wonder what caused that. Like, I wonder, wonder why Michigan suddenly won those two games in, um, in, in, you know, the middle of their sign stealing scandal, you know, like, and and whether it is like I'm not even going to get into how much of a competitive advantage it would have had, um, whether or not like that is the truth, but it's going to be really easy to discredit those two wins if Ohio State picks up right right off with its dominance the next like ten years or whatever. Like it'll it'll look really easy to just completely um, disregard those from a national perspective, from an Ohio State perspective, uh, regardless of what the actual like competitive advantage was. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studios. Classic, it's 96.7 WBVI, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB. Talking with Kevin Harris, writer for me in a midfield, along with the comeback 
and awful announcing. We did get an update to the uh, playoff rankings heading into this week. Uh, obviously, there's been a you know a couple switches. They dropped uh, Florida State down. They moved Washington up. How much of it do you think things will work themselves out over these next few weeks? And how much of it is going to be the committee will actually have to make a tough decision on who the four teams are? Yeah, I, I tend to think it's going to work itself out. Um, I think the only thing that could be a tough decision is like what they do with Florida State. Because I think it's pretty clear that that team is not the same team without Jordan Travis. At the same time, Ohio State, I thought, wasn't the same team without JT Barrett, too. Right. And um, they went out and won 59 to nothing and kind of asserted that dominance. What's going to be interesting is like Ohio State went out and proved like, hey, we belong with like a kind of a statement victory over Wisconsin that one year. Um, I think Florida State needs to do the same thing if they're going to have a chance. If they come out and they sputter against Florida, um, sputter in a, a ACC championship game and like kind of just don't, I don't know, don't don't look the part of a national title contender. I wouldn't be shocked if the committee has an excuse to pop in like a a one loss SEC team or something like that over them. Um, outside of that, like, I think it'll probably work itself out. It'll be one Pac-12 team, one Big Ten team, um, SEC champion, and yeah, <laughs> I I think in this scenario maybe Texas hops in. Um, but I I generally think it'll probably work itself out. There's some big games to to come. Um, obviously you got. Oregon versus Oregon State um, this weekend, which is a pretty big game. And then you'll probably have Washington and Oregon rematching um, for for the Pac-12 title, and that'll kind of just determine the Pac-12 champion. But um, yeah, I mean, it it is, I feel like it, it is definitely, there are definitely more scenarios for more teams to make it this year and more teams to have an argument. But at the same time, like, it feels pretty clean about like every team kind of just knows what they have to do to make the the field besides maybe like Texas, like Texas is kind of just like waiting to see what happens in front of it. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a pretty clean, clean situation here. Uh, one of the things that I've noticed recently is a, not just a bit, but a pretty considerable groundswell towards Marvin Harrison Jr. as a Heisman candidate. So I'll ask you, um, two-parter, I guess. One, do you think Harrison has done enough to close the gap between him and Michael Penix Jr., who seems to be the presumptive favorite for the Heisman with Caleb Williams kind of uh, imploding over these last couple weeks? And number two, do you think this would be the kind of year that a non-quarterback could win the Heisman because of that. Maybe not necessarily Marvin Harrison Jr., but it, something else or someone else besides a quarterback being in the running for Heisman this season. I think Marvin Harrison Jr. certainly has a chance. I think he needs two really big weeks. Like, he needs, like, a dominant performance against Michigan. He needs to be, like, the reason why they beat Michigan or the reason why they blow out Michigan um, on Saturday. Uh, and that that would put him right in the conversation. Um, I think Bo Nix and Michael Penix Jr. are kind of like the co-favorites for me right now, simply because they can both radically improve their resume. One of them can, um, with a win in the Pac-12 title game, uh, kind of leading their team to the to the championship, whatever. If neither of them has great games and Marvin Harrison Jr. kind of explodes, um, you know, I I 
I could see him still getting into the race. I think he's probably certainly going to get invited to to New York, whether he wins it or not. Um, that's tough to say. It's going to rely on the next two weeks. But again, like there has not been like a transcendent player who has proven that they're going to win the award over him. So that still gives him a chance against, you know, a team like Michigan and a team like Iowa, probably um, to against two great defenses, go out and put big numbers up. So that definitely is still a possibility. Um, the, the kind of fourth guy who I think has a chance also is Jaden Daniels at LSU. Um, frankly, he has the best numbers, like, yeah. like straight up. He has the best numbers of any quarterback in the country. Um, probably may, maybe should be the front runner. I think he is just kind of a victim of like, neither his team is not good. Um, I don't think it's really his fault. It's kind of the CJ Stroud problem like last year um, with more losses. Um, and he also cannot radically improve his resume. Um, you know, I, I think that's the problem is like he he is kind of out of a resume booster. He's playing Texas A&M this weekend and like nobody's going to take Texas A&M seriously. Nobody's going to be watching that game. It happens at noon while the Ohio State Michigan game is going on. So um, his resume is kind of complete. And so that's why I don't really think he's going to win it. But maybe he should. So um, it's kind of a four horse race the way I see it. But yes, Marvin Harrison Jr. is certainly still in it. This has been Kevin Harris, writer from Mina Midfield, along with the comeback and awful announcing. Kevin, thank you once again for taking the time to talk with us. We'll catch up next week. Yeah, thanks, guys. With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll talk some NFL action here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios. Due to substantial growth at Morgan Advanced Materials, we're hiring and want you to join our team. If you're looking for a competitive starting wage, Morgan Advanced Materials has production operator positions starting at $19.76 an hour with the potential of up to $23.91 an hour. Join our team at Morgan Advanced Materials located in Fostoria. Call us at 419-360-9751 or head to morganadvancedmaterials.com to launch a career that strives to make this world a better place. Seneca Millwork is now hiring. They have a starting pay of $18.04 an hour with a raise to $18.31 after 90 days with a shift differential of $0.25 cents an hour for the third shift. Seneca Millwork offers medical, vision, dental, life insurance, and a 401k contribution. Apply online at SenecaMillwork.com or apply online through Indeed. Come work at Seneca Millwork, located at 300 Court Place in Faustoria. Seneca Millwork, part of the Ropey Holding Company family. Back we are here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studios, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB Classic, it's 96.7 WBVI Lance Morris. Matt Common here with you this Wednesday night. Big thanks to Kevin Harris from that Midfield along with the comeback and awful announcing for joining us today on the show. If you missed any part of the show or just want to hear it again, head over to WFOB.com, click on the podcast page. You can hear today's show and our shows and interviews from past seasons as well. We might not be physically at the Frickers in Finley, but stop in for their daily specials. Kits eat free all day, every day at Frickers. Pick up from the KO window, dine in, get delivery through DoorDash. The daily specials are all dining only. Download the Frickers app to see more and to place an order. Find them online at Frickers.com. Matt, let's go ahead and take a look at the NFL. Looking back at some of the games from last week, the Chargers continue to find ways to lose games, I've said it once, I'll say it again, get him out. The Lions and the Browns, they both found ways to win, which are very much kind of uncharacteristic for those franchises. The Giants get a big win over the Commanders that not a whole lot of people saw coming because the Giants themselves haven't been very good. The Jags dominate the Titans, the Jets, 
Oh man, the Jets. The Rams find a way to beat the Seahawks in a very ugly but very much back and forth game. Broncos beat the Vikings on uh, on, on that Sunday night game. The Eagles find a way to uh, beat the Chiefs as well on Monday night football. So lots of uh, lots of interesting football, I'll call it over over the last week or so. What were your uh, your big takeaways from last week in the NFL? Oh, well, I genuinely and sincerely appreciate you skipping San Francisco, just taking Tampa Bay for a walk. Yeah, you're welcome on your on your list of games. I do appreciate that because the less that's said about that game, the better fire Todd Bowles. Simple (laughs) as that. But I'll move on from that one. Um, Deceptively close games this past weekend. Like I I really thought this was going to be the kind of weekend where just it was going to be a lot of bloodbath kind of games and really runaways. I really thought that Chiefs. Um, Eagles game was probably going to be one of the only close ones in all sincerity. And it really didn't end up being that way. I, I was surprised at how competitive the games were across the board. And kind of goes back to something I've said past couple weeks now that the parody in the NFL really is kind of hitting. I'd say as close to its peak as you possibly can, with the exception of the Carolina Panthers, who, who I don't know what they're doing. I, I, <laughs> I'm I'm confused. I was confused when they hired Frank Reich to begin with. I mean, the guy got fired mid-season with a guy like Jonathan Taylor, Michael Pittman Jr. at the time was working with Matt Ryan and had Philip. It's like I I didn't understand him getting hired to begin with. I don't understand how he still has a job. Just like I don't understand how Matt Eberflus still has a job or Brandon Staley still has a job. Todd Bowles, Bowles, I get to a point because Tampa Bay is accidentally somehow still only a half game out of first place in the NFC South. That's just the NFC South being the NFC South. Yeah, I mean, I I love I love my Buccaneers, but that is such a trash division this year. (laughs) It's just my God, just hot dumpster fire of a division. But uh, no, in all sincerity, it was I was surprised how close the games actually were. That Vikings Bears game or a Broncos game, excuse me, with, literally came down to the last play. I mean, it's, I was expecting the Vikings to roll in that one. Detroit looks good. I, I do think we need to start having a real conversation about what Jim Schwartz is on in Cleveland and <laughs> can we get some? I, I feel like I could be invincible because, my God, what he's done with that defense, tearing it from a bottom 10 into the number one defense in the NFL is remarkable. It absolutely is remarkable. I mean, my God, he's got Miles Garrett in the conversation for MVP. Like, he's so far and ahead of everybody for Defensive Player of the Year. He's starting to get MVP consideration. Last time we saw that was Aaron Donald. So, it's it, it, it was a very good week of football in the NFL. Very competitive games. And th- there were a couple snooze fests as well, in particular Tampa Bay, San Francisco. I think that game was very competitive and intense and had the makings of an all-time classic and then kickoff happened and it went downhill from there same thing with the panthers versus the cowboys so you know a few clunkers but really the rest of last week were really really good games i mean you just look at some of those games i mean more closely i mean the giants and what they've tommy devito now you know essentially actually finally having a pulse at the quarterback position I mean, that was surprising. I mean, you, you look at Sam Howell, and he's got some throws where it's like, okay, yeah, that 
okay, that's good. And then there are some where it's like, no, what are you doing? And I mean, we've, we've talked ad nauseum about, you know, at least over the last few years, just how much we both enjoy CJ Stroud. So him bursting onto the scene wasn't exactly a surprise to us. It's just kind of the manner with which he has burst onto the scene. But the Jets, the the Jets being this bad, I understand that, you know, there are other circumstances, but the Jets at least that offensive line being this bad, it's like not that it caused Aaron Rodgers to get hurt just because it, we didn't have a chance for that to really even be the case because he got injured in the first four plays. But you think if he, he even even if he was fully healthy, how much could he have done with that offensive line? Because I don't think I don't think Zach Wilson's the answer. I'm not going to be go out on that limb. But Zach Wilson is not the problem. The problem with the Jets, the way he even was, you know, last season. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'll go ahead and address those kind of in, in a row here. I, personally, I'm actually sign me up as a believer in Sam Howell at quarterback for Washington. Like, I really think they might be on to something with him. Um, is he an absolute elite top tier quarterback? Like, is he going to be one of the five best in the league in the next two or three years? Probably not. But you get a decent offensive line around him. Um, respectfully for Anthony Gibson and Brian Robinson Jr., get him a better running game as well. If Bienemy's not a head coach somewhere, preferably with the LA Chargers, if I had my choice and prediction for it, I, I I think they could really be onto something with him. Uh, Tommy DeVito, bless his heart. That's he, he's just in the position of quarterback, but Saquon Barkley is really the thing that makes that offense go with the Giants, and it's going to be really sad when they lose him in free agency because some team that still thinks they can make a run, you know, Tampa, <laughs> is probably just going to throw the bank at Barkley this offseason. Um, as as for C.J. Stroud, a.k.a. Stroud God, um, I'm not surprised. Honestly, what I'm surprised by is that Houston is winning games even when he's not performing. So it, it's a combination of CJ Stroud is amazing. And oh my God, Lovey Smith, David Cully, and Bill O'Brien were just bad coaches. Because <laughs> it seems like Demeco Ryans has something cooking down there in Houston. And that they are, as we said in previous weeks, looking more and more like the Dallas Cowboys in that uh Herschel Walker trade from years past. But uh getting to the Jets. The Jets. Getting to the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. The Jets are just a poorly run organization. You have like two and a half separate coaching staffs, staffs worth of personnel and players on that team right now. Zach Wilson was a BYU system quarterback. I don't think he's the problem, but I don't think he's the solution either by any stretch of the imagination. Correct. The offensive line, they went for hype as opposed to talent. Makai Becton being just a massive human being, then running that 4-6-40 at the combine and the bench pressing that he did, all, all those like combine stats that he put up doesn't excuse for the fact that he was a big body one one read zone block at Louisville. 
And they're expecting him to be a multi-read pass protector. And it just didn't work. And he's not staying healthy. Elijah Vera Tucker. They moved him from tackle to guard. Now at center. Now back at guard. I mean, they're kind of moving him all over the place. There's so much inconsistency with what the Jets are doing. I don't think they've built it up properly. And that's a shame because they are wasting some premier talent at defensive back and at wide receiver because of this. And you got to make an argument for Brees Hall as a very talented, probably top 15 back in the NFL. And these guys are putting up numbers and doing things in spite of how bad that line is. And in spite of how bad the organization is, Robert Sala, I think he's a good coach. I just, I don't think he's got enough at the helm behind him to keep this thing rolling. I think he might be a coaching casualty by the end of the season. I think they'll try and scapegoat him which is a shame because he is trying to win this thing with spare parts and like random fans from the stands most week on that offensive line. So I don't know. It's the, the jets always seem to find a way to just look incredibly mediocre, but then good enough to make you think they might make a run if they get insert name here. And when it comes to Aaron Rodgers, I don't know how much he would help. I think he's a lot quicker on his reads. So I don't think the offensive line play would have been as, as detrimental to him. But I still think they'd be at about the record they're at, maybe a little bit better, but probably still at the same record, to be perfectly honest. And another thing, you, you kind of touched on it a little bit ago, but it, it, we've seen it with the black Monday is what it's called when the, when the coaches get fired at the end of the NFL season, there's a chance we have a very, very, very casualty ridden black Monday, because I mean, you already obviously had the Raiders move on from McDaniel. I've made my thoughts on the chargers. Very, very clear. You could have something happen in you know various places obviously there's things there's rumblings with new england you just mentioned new york with the jets i think buffalo it's not as likely but that still has a chance i mean i don't think it'll get to this point and with the titans because i think they didn't expect to be very good but you never know something could happen with the titans in the nfc ron rivera does doesn't look like he's long for that position I don't think anything would happen aside from him in the East. I don't think the Giants would go from coach of the year to firing Dayball. That there's been there's been just too many other issues with uh, with the with the Giants. But in the NFC North, I mean, we talked about Eberflus. Maybe he's on the hot seat depending on how this year ends out. Even though I think Chicago is also fine with having some more high draft picks. You could say something maybe similar with Matt LaFleur with the Packers. Maybe it's too soon to make that kind of change. The NFC South, I mean, none of those teams are very good. We already talked a little about Frank Reich. but And then in the NFC West, it's, I mean, maybe McVay moves on of his own accord, but I wouldn't think you'd make a change. Obviously, Arizona already made a change prior to this season, so I wouldn't think they could do again, but... There, there, there could be a lot of coaches looking for work, uh, depending on how, you know, these next uh, next few weeks go. Yeah, I mean, going into the season, you and I have talked about it. I have my little spreadsheet where I kind of make predictions at the start of the year. I had five as co- coaching casualties for this season. And going into the season, I was expecting the Buccaneers, Bears, Rams, 
commanders. And then in the AFC, I was expecting the chargers as prime candidates to move on from their coaches. Um, I did have the Raiders, but that's just because I'm biased and I think Josh McDaniel sucks <laughs> and I'm glad to see that they agree that he sucked and got rid of him kind of thing. But I mean, th- honestly, this season, you look at it, I- I'll just go through the list with you. I think Sean McDermott, probably safe. I-, I think they'll chalk this one up to just a down year kind of thing that he's been so consistently good since he's gotten there in Buffalo. Yeah, should be fine. Robert Sala may survive this just because he might get a pass because of Aaron Rodgers. Right. So maybe Bill Belichick, he might legitimately retire. I I honestly think this could be the season where they you don't slightly think, encourage you, him you, you to don't, hang it up. You don't think he goes somewhere to try and get the wins record? He could, but I think what you're seeing right now is a situation where the game has finally passed Bill Belichick by. I, I mean, he's more of a system control ground and pound play action type of system i mean you saw it with brady for all those years guys like gronkowski being big julian edelman the slot receivers being their primary guys being able to rotate running backs in like crazy i don't see a team offensively that kind of fits that mold for him so i don't know i think it could be the end of bill belichick maybe he goes to another team but we'll see um Raiders have already moved on and I think there's a good argument for Antonio Pierce getting to keep that job maybe they'll listen to their players this time (laughs) when they're asking to keep the interim guy uh Brandon Staley's a dead man walking simple as that um Vrabel I think will survive just because of all the injuries and the transition to quarterback I'll throw a wild card out there for the AFC Zach Taylor and the Bengals because I mean, you bring you, a guy you, like you Taylor, got, you got to chalk that up to injury. I think this year, right? To an extent, but here's what I'm gonna say: in the pre-Joe Burrow era, Zach Taylor could barely win games. Have Joe Burrow make Super Bowl, make AFC title game, lose Joe Burrow to injuries again, they're back to the same problems, and more importantly, they're losing in the same ways: bad offensive line play questionable decision-making defensively. So I I think if they have a tank of a season, that might cost Taylor his job. He might be one of the biggest wild cards. Yeah. Um, I'm with you for the commanders. I think Ron Rivera is probably on the way out. I, I think they need a new voice in Washington. Yeah. More than anything else. It's not that he's a bad coach. He's just, he's only had three winning seasons. Yeah, that's a, but you know what? When you look at his non-winning seasons, he's missing a winning season by like a game or two every time. It's like he he's he had he's, the, he had the one really good Carolina season that kind of skewed his overall win loss record. Yeah, I mean the way I look at Ron Rivera, he is the absolute definition of a coaching turkey sandwich. Like you good, know, good good. He's enough. nothing flashy. He's nothing terrible. He's a turkey sandwich. He is what he is. If you bring Ron Rivera on your coaching staff, you're going to be somewhere between seven and 10 to nine and eight or 10 and seven pretty much every year. Okay. It's uh, that, that, that's it. He is, he is the diet vanilla zero sugar of coaching. And I just, I think Washington's going to move on from that. I'm with you. I think Dable's safe. I think they chalk it up to injuries and, the fact that Daniel Jones was a complete, you know, pretender in a contract year 
Sean McVay, I really think he's going to step aside this offseason. I really do. Um, Arizona's safe. They just got a new guy. Jonathan Gannon seems to have the respect of the players down there, so I don't think they'll get rid of him. Uh, Matt LeFleur, not related to Peter LeFleur, LeFleur. by any means. Um, I think he's safe in Green Bay. This is his first bad season. It's post-Aaron Rodgers. You're figuring out what you got with Jordan Love, and they didn't really build much around to help him out, so he's safe in my book. Eberflus, he should have been fired two weeks ago. I don't know how he still has a job. <laughs> That's That continues to stagger my mind. And then, honestly, for the NFC South, I could make an argument for every one of those coaches Oof. to be fired. Yeah, you really could. Like, you on it, like Dennis Allen, if, if Ron Rivera is the diet vanilla zero sugar and turkey sandwich of coaching, Dennis Allen is the like two day old salami sandwich <laughs> version of this. Like, you know, he's still edible. You know, he is, but it's salami. <laughs> but at the same time, you probably should get a different sandwich in this scenario. And that's the thing. I mean, Dennis Allen, he was that way in San Francisco. He's been that way every step of the way of his coaching career. It's just that he happened to be a Sean Payton disciple. Once Sean Payton stepped down, it became a natural succession. Same thing with Todd Bowles in Tampa Bay to Bruce Arians. Todd Bowles has kind of followed Bruce Arians around most of his career. And that's where that natural progression and natural transition came in. Uh, Arthur Smith may possibly be the worst play caller in the NFL. (laughs) And I say that knowing full well Kevin Stefanski exists as well as whoever the offensive coordinator for the Giants is. Um, He's just, he's atrocious. You have Drake London, Kyle Pitts, and B. John Robinson, and they're only touching the ball eight to nine times a game. Criminal. Criminal straight to jail. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Um, Todd Bowles, I could say a million and a half things about him. And Frank Reich, he's just a train wreck of a coach. Frank Reich, let's let's just address the elephant in the room. He took over a Colts team that got dumped by Josh McDaniels. Yes. Frank Reich is a rebound, is the coaching equivalent of the rebound like <laughs> relationship. And it's now happened twice. Like, I feel like if you're you're signing Frank Reich to be your coach you're really just waiting for another coordinator to really step up. And the guy that you really want kind of thing, kind of like Lovey Smith last year, Houston signed Lovey Smith to be their head coach almost exclusively because Demeco Ryan's wasn't completely ready to be a head coach yet. I think that's where it boiled down to. So no, in all sincerity for the, this coming up uh black Monday, as it's called, I, you could potentially see 10 to 12 teams in the NFL making coaching changes. And that's, that that'd be a seismic shift in the NFL. It really would. So I, I mean, it it's possible. I, I'm curious to see how it shakes out. But yeah, I, I'm I predicted about five going into the season, and it could be ten, could be twelve, it could be somewhere in between all of that. It's not not a good year for coaches. That's for sure. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB Classic Hits, 96.7 WBVI, Lance Morris, Matt Common here with you talking some NFL action. Before we look at the games this week, we, we were talking about coaches. Can we talk about how uh, how much Sean Payton's turned it around in Denver? Because 
he was not looking very long for that job with the Dolphins putting up 70 on him, some other bad losses in there. And since then, I mean, not that he's, you know, the best coach in the league by any stretch, but he he wasn't someone we were talking about in guys that could be quickly fired the way he's uh, been able to turn things around. Oh, well, I think the thing that's helping him out is he's kind of got his Sean Payton mojo back, if that makes sense. I mean, you look at the last six weeks of games. Let's start with those. Uh, lost to the Jets 31-21. Then he loses to the Chiefs 19-8. to Then you get to that Broncos game. They win it 19-7. to Nail-biter finish on that one. Go to the Chiefs-Broncos round two. They win that one 24-9. Kind of a runaway for them. But then this two weeks ago against the Bills, 24-22, another nail-biter. And then obviously this past Sunday, winning it on the Sutton play at the end, 21-20. He's he's kind of finding his groove again. He's kind of getting back to where the Broncos or a Sean Payton-led team are winning those close games. I mean, at the start of the season... He honestly didn't have bad game. I mean, 17 to 16 was lost to the Raiders. 35-33 to the Commanders. They lose on a failed two-point conversion attempt. We skip week three because <laughs> Miami dropped a 70-burger on them. <laughs> just, just skipping week three. But then for the Broncos-Bears game, I mean, all of their wins have been close except for that Chiefs-Broncos game where they won 24-9. So... He's getting those close games, so he's turning it around. I'm a little concerned that it might be more of the Minnesota Vikings from last year where they're getting a lot of good things to happen at the end of games to work in their favor. But, you know, as the saying goes, doesn't matter how you win, just win. And they seem to be doing that. And then this week we have, you know, games obviously all over the place. Thanksgiving, we got... Packers-Lions, Commanders-Cowboys, then Niners-Seahawks. Black Friday, we have Dolphins versus the Jets. Sunday, we have the Chargers playing the Ravens. I I hope the Ravens just blow the Chargers out of the water. Maybe it finally makes them make a move. Steelers play the Bengals. Bucks play the Colts. Jags against the Texans. Chiefs play the Raiders. Bills play the Eagles. And the Bears play the Vikings next Monday night. What are some of the... uh, Games you're looking forward to here over the next week or so. Well, I'm looking forward to keeping tradition alive and falling asleep post turkey dinner to the Dallas Cowboys game. I mean, that's just a annual tradition in my household. That should be fun. Uh, no, honestly, it's again, I'm going to say this, but it probably is going to lead to some good games. A little bit of a down week on the schedule. Just just a tad. I mean, the Thanksgiving game should be entertained. I, as much as I don't like that they added a third Thanksgiving Day game, to the schedule a 49er Seahawks that actually should be a pretty interesting game kind of get an idea of where Seattle truly is at kind of same thing with San Francisco they went on a bad streak there and then you know got a freebie against Tampa Bay fire Todd Bowles but get him out. I'm cu- I'm also curious to see we just talked about them a moment ago that Broncos Browns game might turn out to be a classic the way these two teams are playing. I mean, Sean Payton has definitely got things cooking with Russell Wilson. Broncos nation. Let's ride or Broncos Broncos country, country, whatever he used to say. I was going to say on that one, but to, to see what Sean Payton can do against this defense that the Browns have been putting up week in and week out. 
I, I'm very curious about that game. I think we're going to learn a lot more about both of those teams in that game than we will in some of the other games that are out there. So uh, those are the ones I'm looking forward to. And honestly, Bears-Vikings, that, that's one where you just kind of throw the records out. That could just be an ugly game, but it could also turn into a pretty darn entertaining game at the same time. And I think it's been a while, but... I, I do foresee Detroit winning on Thanksgiving, and I think it might be a pretty decisive one at that. So it should, should be a good week of football games, uh, uh, hopefully. Because I'm, I'm looking at the schedule on paper. It's like, eh, there's not really that many good games. I said the same thing last weekend, and pretty much all the games were phenomenal. So hopefully we'll get a repeat of that this week. With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll get you ready for Thanksgiving here on the NW Boat Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios. It's cash for cars at Warner Economy Corner in Findlay. Not much has changed with the shortage of good quality used cars, but Warner Economy Corner is looking to buy. At the corner of Blanchard and Blanchard, Warner Economy Corner is paying cash for cars. Bring your vehicle down to the guys at Warner Economy Corner and go home with cash in hand. Warner Economy Corner is buying cars and making deals. Open daily, Monday through Friday. The Northwestern Water and Sewer District now has two watersheds in Fostoria to get pure water at a low price. Watersheds are located off of Plaza Drive on the north end of town and our newest location near 4th and Finley Streets. If you don't like the taste of well water, try watershed water. Just bring your own containers and fill up for a quarter a gallon. Try watershed water today. For all locations, go to nwwsd.org. Hi, this is Dawn from the Classic Hits Morning Show, and I've just heard that not all roofs are created equal. Is that true? That is true, Don. It's solely dependent on the people installing it. Hi, folks. This is Matt from MJ Brown Roofing Construction Company in Tiffin, Ohio. We're a family-owned company that's been in business since 1936. We're a full-service roofing contractor that have been working on both residential and commercial roofs. So no matter what type of roof you want, we have the expertise and the crews needed to install and maintain your roof for years to come. Call 419-447-5864 for a free, no-obligation inspection and quote today. For over 100 years, iron workers have been building America. Do you have what it takes to be an iron worker? Do you like to work with your hands? Do you like to be creative and solve problems? Do you like to be outdoors and don't mind getting dirty? With starting pay of $18 an hour and with medical and retirement benefits, there are iron worker jobs available in Northwest Ohio. To take your career to new heights, call the Iron Workers Local 55 Training Center at 419-382-3080 and build a better future. Back we are on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB Classic Hits, 96.7 WBVI, Lance Morris, Matt Common here with you once again. Big thanks to Kevin Harris from Meet at Midfield, along with the comeback and awful announcing for joining us on the show today. If you missed any part of our show or just want to hear it again, head over to WFOB.com, click on the podcast page. You can hear today's show and our shows and interviews from past seasons as well. We might not be physically at the Frickers in Finley, but stop in for their daily specials tonight. Get their sirloin steak dinner. Kids eat free all day, every day at Frickers. Pick up from the carryout window, dine and get delivery through DoorDash. Download the Frickers app to see more and to place an order and find them online at Frickers.com. And Matt, as we both know, Thanksgiving is now less than 24 hours away. We've talked about Thanksgiving in many different ways over the last few years, including a a tier list that at least to some members of my family was very controversial. So we're going to talk Thanksgiving again, 
but we're going to put everything Thanksgiving related into a draft. So here's what it's going to entail. We each will get seven picks. Maybe we'll do less if we need to. Maybe we'll do more if we need to. We'll at least start with a baseline of seven. You get seven picks to make your Thanksgiving day as special as possible. So aside from the actual people, everything else with is up for grabs. You want a certain food? You got to draft it. You want to do a certain thing? Specifically, you better draft it, et cetera, et cetera. So Matt, I will again, as I have in the past, ask if you want the first or the second pick and we'll alternate from there. So how uh, how would you like to do that, sir? Uh, tell you what, I am going to take the second pick on this one only because I want to see where you go with number one. I'm very curious. Okay, so this will tell you exactly how specific I'm talking. For the first for the first pick, and I could, you know, have my draft sound ready if I was, you know, a professional at this. That's a big if right there. Well, right. On the professional part, but all right, here we go. For the first pick of the Thanksgiving Day draft, I'm going to take the first of the football games, the Lions versus the Packers. Okay. So now you are now in this theoretical world, you are now not allowed or able to watch the Lions game. I can live with that. <laughs> okay. So I'm already set. Let's do this thing. With my first pick in the Thanksgiving draft, I am going for an all-time classic, Charlie Brown Thanksgiving. Not a bad pick either. I mean, look, if you're going to take away that Lions game, I'm going to just go with the you, you top got, you gotta choice. Have some, you got to have something else on. Got to have something else on. I mean, it, you, that that's mid, that's mid-afternoon time right there. You got until 4 o'clock for the Cowboys. That's about dinner time. Got to have something during that snacking session that occurs from like 11.30 until 3.30 in most households while you're all waiting for dinner. So, yeah, I'm going to pick Charlie Brown Thanksgiving. All righty, and then I will come right back with... I mean, not going to be very controversial or a surprising pick at all. Well, maybe to some it'll be controversial. I'm taking mac and cheese. I'm not letting it fall fall further. You, re- you no, you're not going to finish that sentence. Not going to finish you, that sentence. You had the opportunity to take it, so it, it wasn't like I even took it number one. Look, I wasn't anticipating mac and cheese to move that high up the list right off the jump. Have, I was hoping I could sneak Matt, by in like Matt, round two or Matt, three Matt, have for we, that have, one. Matt, have we not met? Come on. We've met. I'm just, I wasn't expected to be the first. This is, this is Darius Hayward Bay going off the board first where everyone oh, was surprised. No, 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 no. You are oh, not, no, no, you, no. you're not comparing mac and cheese to Darius Hayward Bay, sir. I'm not. I'm comparing it to the meteoric rise of mac and cheese in recent years. That is true. I'll give you that. Ma- ma- mac and cheese, at-, at least in some regards, has not necessarily been a staple Thanksgiving food. I know it 
that, that for a lot of families it is. My family definitely has not been a staple. I will tell you, it has absolutely become one. Like it, it is, it is essential eating at all family gatherings at oh, this yeah. point. Oh yeah. So okay, I hate you so much <laughs> for that pick, but okay, I'm good. I, I'm ready. I'm ready for it. With my next pick, I am just going to clear the board in one fell swoop. The dessert table. You got to pick a specific dessert. Uh, you picked mac and cheese. You broke my heart. I'm taking the dessert table. No, you have to pick a specific dessert. <laughs> you know, fine. You want me to pick a specific dessert? I okay. do. Okay. I am going to pick homemade cookies. My mom is very upset with you for now. I, in this world, I'm not allowed to have any of her cookies. Right? Look, <laughs> most people's instinct is to go right for pumpkin pie, but let's call it as it is. Pumpkin pie is mid at best. Well, that and I, I, I don't even, I don't even touch pumpkin pie. So, well, well, there's that too. But more importantly than that, the most slept on dessert at any Thanksgiving is the family member that brings in either the chocolate chip cookies or the sugar cookies or like the pecan cookie that they always, somebody always brings them in and that's always the dessert that's fought over. Right. Year in and year out without question. It's not the pecan pie or pecan pie, however you pronounce whatever incorrect way you pronounce it. (laughs) Not pumpkin pie. Sure is God standing here. It's not whenever someone brings in a cherry pie or an apple pie. You're a little worried about those people bringing in those. It feels like those are leftovers from like 4th of July and Labor Day that they just thawed out in that particular moment to get rid of it. But those homemade cookies, oh, every year it's a fight. Every year it's a battle. You you got to drop some elbows, maybe crack some teeth to get those cookies, but it is worth it every time. So I'm going homemade cookies as my second pick. Okay. For my next pick. I'm going to go with another staple. I'm going to go in the appetizer game. I'm going to go cheese ball and crackers. You know, I kind of forget how often year in and year out your cheese ball cracker <laughs> thing is like your game. Cha- like, I feel confident if we ever did like a holiday party or something like that. If I brought you just like two plates of cheese ball and crackers, you'd be on cloud nine. Oh, I, I'd be I wouldn't be like set set for the day, but that's a great way to start a day. It's just like I, I I forget about that every year and it catches me off guard every time. It's like it's very high on the list for you. Absolutely. You got to You got to start the day correctly. And you can't do that if you don't have your cheese ball and crackers. That's fair. That's a very fair point. All right. So I'm ready for mine. Since we've already hit. Two of the best appetizers. I'm going to leave an appetizer on the board. I think I might be able to get it here the next round. But I am going to go ahead and take the presumptive number one pick off the board. Somehow here at the, what, sixth pick? Sixth sixth total pick, yep. Sixth overall pick. Somehow the presumptive number one still on the board. I'm going with my turkey. 
See, I like I'm I'm not one of those people that like hates turkey because those people, unless you have a reason, get out of here with that. I like my turkey, but it's not the star of anything I'm gonna have. As big as turkey as it's literally called Turkey Day. As big as that is, as big as that is, I I just need a little. I you typically just need a little turkey. I don't need a lot of turkey. So uh, here's the thing. Here's the thing. First, first, let's address the obvious one. If you're someone who genuinely doesn't like turkey, and you're at a Thanksgiving oh, they, party, they they exist, and they will let you know they're there. Oh, I'm sure, but I'm worried about them as a person. <laughs> I am. This it's turkey. Like I can get. I, like I understand the argument for ham. If people don't like ham, I can understand some of the different like alternative meats that kind of come into the fray around Thanksgiving or holiday season. Each one of those I can understand to a point. It's Turkey. You want it to be spicy? Throw some spice on it. You want it to be sweet? <laughs> throw something sweet on it. You want it to be savory? Slather it in barbecues. Uh, tur- Turkey is the universal meat. You can turn it into any flavor you want. So for people like, Ugh, Ugh, no, thank you. Ugh, God, Turkey <laughs> gross. It's like, hey, are you okay? Who hurt you? Who hurt you? Do you need a hug? Do you need to talk to somebody? I'm here for you. I want you to understand that I I still accept you if you don't like turkey. But if you're going to be vocal and animated about it, I'm assuming you just have not had good turkey or you just don't know how to season or add like (laughs) other ingredients to your meal to make it taste better. And once again, I'm a little worried about you at that point. So (laughs) I'm going with turkey. Presumptive number one, timeless, classic choice. I don't need to think too hard about my next pick. And I have to do it because you you just went with your your protein that I might not be your only protein, but that's at least your first protein. So I got to come back and it's always a fight in my family because there never seems to be enough of it. But I got to go with the kielbasa. Oh, kielbasa, that is good. There's never, there never seems to be enough of it. My younger, I, I make this joke every year. My younger cousin, Joey, one year, like literally had almost all of it. And we were like, Joey, you can't do that ever again. If you do, two things will happen. But that is, that is something everybody, that's, it's another thing where, especially in my family, you, you got to make sure you get at least a little on your first go round because it might not be there if you come back for round two. All right. So it's, Two-part question here with this one for your kielbasa. Um, beef, beef, turkey, or pork, number one. And then number two, are you grilling it up with the sauerkraut or do you have that separate as a spread or do you go coleslaw and really mix things up? So the sauerkraut is there. I don't, if it's on it, I'll, I'll accept it, but I don't enjoy the sauerkraut in general. But it's, it's beef, it's the straight beef. We'll have sausages as an accompaniment typically, but those kind of go hand in hand. But yeah, you gotta gotta just have the straight kielbasa. Okay, good good answers. Turkey is an acceptable one as well. Pork kielbasa. When I've heard people have the pork version of kielbasa, I, it's like that's just sausage at that point. Yeah, it's not kielbasa at that point. Well, I'm sure. That, I'm sure there have been family get-togethers where we've had every variety there is there is to be had. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, your 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 family definitely are kielbasa people. One, uh, there, 1, there's no getting around. You, you, every holiday you bring up kielbasa. One thousand percent. So I get that. All right. Well, then I'm totally ready for my next pick. 
and you have your I, I would say kielbasa is a kind of unique family one for you i know it's out there people do do that this one's a little unique for my family i know it is like a decent secondary choice but i'm going with my second protein and it is the true goat of any holiday party that is of course deviled eggs It depends. De- deviled eggs are good. I got to be in the particular mood, though, for my deviled eggs. So I completely agree. I have to be in a particular mood for deviled eggs, and that is a day that I wake up and I am converting <laughs> oxygen into carbon dioxide. So if you have a plate of deviled eggs, it's plausible. Like it, it is a battle in my household. With the deviled egg plate, like if you don't get them, like you said, for the kielbasa on the first go around, too bad. I mean, it's <laughs> you, you're gonna have to wait till Christmas or Easter then for the next slate of them. But oh, deviled eggs, mwah, chef's kiss, so good. I don't need to think too hard about my next pick. And this is this is a very another kind of family one. It's only when I'm at my parents for Thanksgiving, which I will be tomorrow. The homemade noodles. It's, it's, they, they got to have them. It's got to be a part of it. My first go around, I'll have a bowl of them in a company to my first actual plate. Got to make sure I get my homemade noodles on there. All right. Homemade noodles are a solid choice. My family does them too. They kind of mix it up a little bit. It's kind of a, um, it's like shredded chicken and the homemade noodles, but they're more like egg drop kind of noodles. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like it it really looks more like yoki, if we're being honest. It's like the really thick noodle kind of thing. I just presume it's bread. I really don't <laughs> say it's a noodle at that point, but we call them noodles in my house. That that's that's a good one. That's a good pick. A, a little under the radar, but you know what? A solid I I, I want to say secondary choice for your main dish if you want to go that route. Yeah, that, that's a solid one. Absolutely. That's definitely solid. Okay, then I I'm absolutely ready with my next pick. I know exactly where I'm going here. With my next pick, I am taking post dinner nap game. <laughs> oh, it was on my board. Oh, it's look there. There are certain naps that you take throughout the year that are just S tier kind of naps. You like that you're you're not feeling good and the medicine finally kicks in nap where you just you you know you just you're gone for like three hours. Post full day of work, last day before you start a holiday break or holiday extended weekend nap, and then the Thanksgiving nap. It's that that that's that's your holy trinity of naps throughout the year, right there. So I'm I'm gonna go ahead and take that one off the board. I'm also making the executive decision. We're at least gonna make eight picks. I know I said seven. We're at least gonna make eight, and we'll see if we need to do more from there. And that's fair. Look, there's a lot of great choices for Thanksgiving. <laughs> there so. Is. so for my next pick, I'm going to go ahead and not completely sweep the board because there is technically another option, but I'm going to take the Cowboys versus Commanders game. You now are not able to watch football until the very last game. 
you're gonna force me to watch that th- the <laughs> late night football. You know what? That's that's a I, harsh, I, I, harsh I, move. I, I gave you plenty of opportunities to take it. You did, but you kind of set me up. This was a misdirect. You started setting me up with the food and some of the other things. Then you hit. Not cool taking the Commanders <laughs> Cowboys. That's fine. That's fine. You took you napping, know, I be- so I probably might have taken napping right there if you didn't take it. I mean, that's fair. That's fair. So then I'll go ahead and take my next pick then. We'll be safe here. Go ahead. I guess I'm going to subject myself to this 49ers Seahawks game. <laughs> Wake up from the nap, grab that third plate of food, and just sit down and watch the game, I suppose. I mean, yeah, that that's the thing. Like, the third game could be good, but I'm probably not going to have the stamina, if anything else, to want to sit there and watch in full the third game. Yeah, th- see that that's that's the challenge. Yeah do, do do you have the do you have the fortitude and the intestinal fortitude to make it through game three? That that's where that's where Thanksgiving becomes an endurance test. So now. I will take from my next pick. I mean, my if my mother is listening, first off, hi, mom. If my mother is listening, she is prob- possibly flabbergasted that this is still on the board. And mm-hmm. that thing would be mashed potatoes. So mashed potatoes, it depends on who makes them. She makes them. So they're always okay, good. Well, th- <laughs> and see that that's fair. That's fair. It's see for me, I, I'm I, I'm a texture over taste kind of guy. I'm more of a whipped potatoes person myself. Like when they're mashed and like you still have the decent sized chunks of potato in there. Just doesn't do it for me. Just doesn't. So I I, I get it. I, I understand. For me, it's a a person by person making the mashed potatoes basis. So. All right, I'm ready for my next pick. With my next pick, I'm going to be that guy at Thanksgiving. And I am not taking the green bean casserole, but I am scooping up those fried onion strips off of the top of that casserole and adding it to whatever else I want during the day. Yeah, no, no, uh, no complaints for me there. Solid pick, right? You know, yeah. un- unconventional, but we all do it. We all do it. We all do it. I'm also making the another executive decision. We're at least going a nine. That's fair. How many have we done so far? We've each done seven so far. Yeah, we got two more in us. Yeah. So for my, I'll call it penultimate, but we'll see if it's actually penultimate. I had one thing written down, but I'm changing it. I'm just going with brownies. Okay. I respect that. Like, that's a good close second on the dessert table. Like, if I, if I can't have the cookie, I, I want the brownie. So I need the brownie. I get it. I get it. I understand that. Totally understand. And I respect it. I'm a little hurt. I don't get to have brownies now for Thanksgiving, but I do respect. <laughs> hey, it I don't. Get, I don't get to have turkey or deviled eggs or take a nap. So, also don't forget homemade cookies. Exactly. And we've done a lot of damage to each other so far on this Thanksgiving. <laughs> <trip>. <laughs> All 
you're you're stuck with you're stuck with homemade noodles, brownies, and not getting able to watch the third see, game. See, or see, char- see here here's the thing. I, I aside from maybe having turkey and you know deviled eggs, I wouldn't get to take a nap. Like all the things I have are things I am very well going to have tomorrow. Oh, I know. I, I still can't forgive you for mac and cheese, but that's okay. <laughs> I almost feel like mac and cheese shouldn't have been on the board because that that's like a war crime, taking that away from me. But it is what it is. Anyway, I'm ready for my next pick. With my next pick, I am going to take a bit of a change from how it has been in years past. I am choosing not getting up super early on Friday to deal with the Black Friday <laughs> insanity. So I'm so, just so going to shop base, online. Base, basically or, not changing your Thursday plans for future days. Exactly. It's I, I'm going to enjoy my Thursday. I am not worried about shopping on Friday. Yeah, that's fair. I've made the executive decision. We're each going to do two more. So just two more. Okay. Each. Especially because we're almost out of time. Um, <laughs> Fair. So for my next one, we'll go a little more rapid fire. I'll uh, I'll just go with um, I will just go with rolls and butter. Classic, classic. I'm gonna I'm gonna miss rolls with butter, but you know what? I'm trying to watch my figure anyway, <laughs> so. Having you take all the carbs is kind of reassuring. Yeah, there you I, I go. Could sa- I could save the calories for cookies and turkey. Then <laughs> that that's that that works exactly. <laughs> that's, that's how I'm gonna justify it in my head. But, all right, I'm ready with my pick. With my next pick, I am going to take family road trip to Thanksgiving dinner. Always a classic. You and I both know it's good for at least two or three comedic outbursts because of traffic. Oh, yeah. And then, man, my my last pick might make you slightly upset. Go for it. You, you've already hurt me beyond repair with mac and cheese. My final pick in the draft. And maybe if you make me pick something more specific, I can. I'm just taking alcohol. I'm going to let you have it as just a generic because that's way too broad of a scope. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, I just I I, 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 I I close it out with alcohol. That's about as good as I could possibly do for a draft. That's fair. I respect that. With my final pick. With the Mr. Irrelevant of Thanksgiving. I guess I'm just going to lean into it because it's the most irrelevant dish that shows up every Thanksgiving as well. I'm going to go with salad. (laughs) It's the perfect Mr. Irrelevant for this draft. It really is. is. Just absolute. It is a science experiment three days later and who's ever hosting fridge. Somehow people add carrots and onion strips and like cabbage to the south just why there's a (laughs) feast of carbs in front of you whoever brings the salad 
is also the person then that later that year for the white elephant gift exchange in the family brings like the $5 subway gift card. <laughs> oh, yes. And it's just like, oh, I see. You really just don't want to be invited to these things anymore. <laughs> I understand. Thank you. Thank you for making it clear to me. So that does it for the draft. My team, Lions Packers game, mac and cheese, cheese ball crackers, kielbasa, noodles, cowboy versus commanders game, mashed potatoes, brownies, rolls and butter and alcohol. Matt has Charlie Brown Thanksgiving, homemade cookies, turkey, deviled eggs, napping, the Niners Seahawks game, onion strips, not getting up early on Black Friday, family road trip to Thanksgiving and salad. There you go. It's solid. Good list. With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. We'll come back and wrap this one up here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios. NWO has news. We are excited to announce the newest addition to the NWO family. Dr. Ryan Tran is a local who was raised in the area, trained by the Cleveland Clinic, and has returned to his hometown to care for your whole family, just like he does his own. Dr. Tran is now accepting new patients of all ages in our Tiffin office. Make your appointment today to experience the benefits of family care by a hometown professional. There's only one place to go. NWO. Saying goodbye to summer is less sad when you realize your favorite fall flavors are here at Bigby Coffee. Celebrate the return of our sweet foam pumpkin cold brew, pumpkin spice latte, and our caramel apple cider. Pair these delicious fall sips with our maple waffle sandwich or pumpkin muffin. Available for a limited time at one of the two Bigby Coffee locations in Findlay, one on Trenton Avenue and one on Tiffin Avenue. Back we are here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle here from the Frickers Studios. Classic, it's 96.7 WBVI, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB. Back to wrap this one up here again. Big thanks to Kevin Harris from Meet at Midfield, along with the comeback and awful announcing for joining us here today. If you missed any part of our show or just want to hear it again, head over to WFOB.com, click on the podcast page. You can hear today's show and our shows and interviews from past seasons as well. Again, Happy Thanksgiving to everyone out there. That'll do it for us here today. Again, big thanks to Kevin Harris for joining us to break down the Ohio State versus Michigan game. And that'll do it again for us here tonight. From all of us here at Tri-County Broadcasting, thank you for joining us and have a happy Thanksgiving, everyone out there, and have a safe traveling weekend as well for Black Friday and for Thanksgiving. This is Lance Moore signing off from the Frickers Studios for my broadcast partner, Matt Common. Thanks again for listening. And again, happy Thanksgiving to everyone out there.